Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There were people on stage who had a lot of money, who knew nothing about my industry, who knew nothing about what color cosmetics meant for the broader audience. They knew nothing about um, the trends that were happening in beauty, you know? So I was just thinking like, you know, I'm not going to allow them to stop our dreams and our goals. Like we had a greater purpose and a greater mission to challenge the beauty standard. And that was our entire goal from day one. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to Los Angeles. Every week, we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos! We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. All right, you guys, it's a special day here at Los Angeles HQ, virtual Los Angeles HQ, because we have a very special guest. Kirby and I have been a longtime fan of hers and her brand, so we're so thrilled that she took some time today to be on our little pod. It is Melissa Butler from The Lip Bar. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. First of all, I just have to say, I love the name Los Angeles. It's so good. It's just way too good, honestly. Thank you. Melissa, did you just move to LA? We heard that you're a recent transplant. I just moved. So I was coming to LA a ton because a lot of our manufacturing is here. And so I was just falling in love with not having the like track through snow. I live in Detroit and the Lit Bar is headquartered in Detroit. And I was really intentional about moving back home. I wanted to create jobs there and, you know, the whole nine. But after five years there, I was like, first of all, it's too cold and I deserve better. And so, (laughs) and so I decided to pack up and, and move. And I had been spending so much time in Los Angeles over the last two years that I was like, you know what, now with COVID, I can kind of work home as anywhere. And so I'm going to make Los Angeles my work from home. And so I've only been here for maybe a month, two months. Oh, wow. What's the verdict? Do we love? I love it. I mean, thankfully, I've gotten to spend so much time here before actually moving. So yeah, I love it. I mean, where else can you get the beach and the mountains and perfect weather every single day? What? I love it. I love that you said you deserved better. (laughs) That's exactly how I had to position it in my head. And I think that a lot of things that I do, like all of the habits that I have, it's like, I deserve this. Like I have to like talk myself into it because I think women oftentimes, like we get into these phases where we do things just for the sake of it and not thinking about like, wait, pause, what do I actually want to do? What makes me happy? And I'm like, you know what? The sun makes me happy by Detroit. (laughs) That is a welcome reminder for all of our listeners, so thank you. We start out every episode with our favorite segment, and we are going to ask you, Melissa, 
What's on your face? <laughs> so let's see. I have a lot of things on my face, but it's actually a night cream, but I use it as a day cream because I have really dry skin. It's by a company. It's called Urban Skin RX. It's an illuminating night cream and it has like small flecks of like shimmer, but it's just super hydrating. I'm just coming back from Detroit. So my skin is so parched. It's like, mom, please help. How could you do us like this? So I love that. What else do I love that I have on my face? Probably my Sunday Riley good jeans. We are Sunday Riley stands here at Los Angeles. And I need to try that Urban Skin RX night cream. I'm going to get on that. Oh, I love it. I really do love it. And I've been using the Sunday Riley for probably four years. I feel like I need to pause, actually. You know how you got to give your skin a break so that it can remember the goodness of it? So I think when I'm done with the bottle, I'm going to like pause. You'll you'll go back though. Trust me. I've done the same thing. You're like, okay, I need to give it a break so I can remember how fantastic this product is. And then one day you'll put it back on your face. You're like, why did I ever leave you? Why did I ever leave you? <laughs> okay, so we got to talk about Shark Tank. I know that you have talked about this a lot, but for our listeners, Melissa was on Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows. Friday nights, some may call me geriatric for loving Shark Tank so much, okay? But the crazy part is I remember watching this episode when it was happening. It was 2015, right? Or when was it? Yes, yeah, 2015. You have a great memory. Thank you. At the time, I remember thinking, oh my God, I would be so pissed, but I didn't think of the bigger picture. If that would have happened to you in 2020, I don't know if the show would still be on the air the way that they were so condescending to you. It was horrendous. And I went back and watched it. I watched a clip of it last night. So for everyone that's listening, I don't want to talk about something and not have y'all be informed. Melissa was on Shark Tank and she was talking about the lip bar. She had on a colorful lip and your, was it your partner who was with you? Yeah, our creative director and, and my business partner. Her name is Roscoe. Yes, Roscoe. Okay, so Roscoe was wearing this like vibrant teal lipstick, which of course like if you're in the beauty industry and you're going to talk about lipstick, especially at that time, 2015, you better come out with, you know, guns blazing. You better have your brightest, best lipstick on. The way that the panel of experts spoke to Melissa and Roscoe. It's difficult for women of all these different complexions and undertones to find colors that are perfect for them. We decided to create this app where customers can easily log on, create their own custom color from these 10 shades. How much do I pay you for it? $32. This is a new innovation. I can see a massive market share in the clown market. Kevin. <laughs> so one of our main issues is distribution. We've talked to a lot of large retailers and the beauty buyers, they absolutely love the product. And because we've had this issue with distribution, instead of sitting on our butts waiting on, you know, a retailer to pick us up, we, we decided came up with the to innovative idea to build a lip bar mobile. So a what? Oh. Have you built this? It's actually it's being converted in Detroit right now. Oh, that is such a bad idea. So Roscoe, aren't you worried if you walked into a bar with that color lip, somebody tried to resuscitate you? <laughs> when I walk into the bar or into the mall or anywhere with this color lip, everyone is very inquisitive. They want to know where I got it from, who made it, where did I get this crazy shade, and that just drives sales. The chances that this is a business are practically zero because you can't get share. 
if, if anybody thought you could sell purple or green lipstick, they do it. They already have the shelf space. They just add another color. And they would crush you like the colorful cockroaches you are. You only have so many minutes on Earth. Don't waste them trying to sell lipstick. So here's the thing. This is why I'm going to actually just jump in, because they're not experts. They were so mean to us. They were so cruel to us. They told us that the business would never grow. They said that both of us looked like colorful cockroaches, and they said that Roscoe looked like she needed to be resuscitated. They were so cruel. It was like the meanest thing. In that moment, I had to remember that this is reality TV and their job is to get ratings. Again, this is reality TV. My job is to get brand awareness and keep on with my mission in terms of like letting people know that the lip bar has these amazing vegan and cruelty-free and easy to use products. And even though they were really cool, Shark Tank was so good for us. It was literally amazing for us because it opened us up to like a world of end users. We got so many new customers, like our website crashed that night. So many people were like, they don't know what they're talking about. I actually like this. This is amazing. And so we had on really bold colors that day because again, we were making a statement like you just said, but the lip bar has so many products. Like we have lips. We just launched tinted moisturizer. Like we had to get over it and we had to not allow that moment to be who we are. And the way I think about Shark Tank, a lot of people love talking about it because they're really, I think, impressed that we kept going. A lot of people are like, oh, if I would have experienced that, that sort of or like public rejection on national TV, I would have stopped. I would have just been in the corner crying. And I'm like, no, no, no. We went into the corner and we cried too, but we kept going because we knew that, like I just said, they weren't experts. They were rich people. They were people on stage who had a lot of money, who knew nothing about my industry, who knew nothing about what color cosmetics meant for the broader audience. They knew nothing about... Um, the trends that were happening in beauty, you know? So I was just thinking like, you know, I'm not going to allow them to stop our dreams and our goals. Like we had a greater purpose and a greater mission to challenge the beauty standard. And that was our entire goal from day one. Like from 2012, day one, that was our mission statement. We're going to challenge the beauty standard. And what that means to us is making sure that there's increased representation. Like no matter if you are black, brown, white, if you like purple lips, if you like black lips, red lips, nude lips, whatever, it doesn't matter. We wanted to make sure that people saw themselves within the industry. And like, I'm so happy that we didn't think about it in the same way a lot of people thought about it, because honestly, we were angry, but we were more angry with the fact that they didn't respect our business acumen than like the negative comments that they said, because they were like commenting on our dresses. I'm like, I work on Wall Street. At that time, I was literally fresh off of like four years on Wall Street and they didn't even talk about numbers. They were talking about our pretty dresses. What the hell? I just want to know if you've come across any of them since that uh, episode, because I'm sure that they owe you an apology, all of them. You know, it's interesting. Damon John reached out. He wanted to do an Instagram live in 2020. And we ended up having to like reschedule it for 
I don't know. I think he was actually kind of a little nervous because the Lit Park community is really strong. And I've always thought about it as a community-based business because, you know, it wasn't until 2019 that we actually had a marketing budget. So all of our growth, when we were the number one selling lipstick in Target, that was all just based on word of mouth. So I think that they were all so upset. Like we get so many people who are like, I haven't watched Shark Tank since I saw your episode. Like we get a lot of that. I think that, you know, when we posted it, all of our customers were just like, oh, I hope you let him have it. And I wasn't going to let him have it. I was going to thank him, but I I think he didn't know what sort of energy to expect. (laughs) I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that for a lot of people in your position, it would have maybe broken them because they put so much weight in what the panel has to say, right? But you're totally right. I think stepping back and realizing, yes, they might have business acumen in their preferred categories, but you and Roscoe were literally bringing up something that was on the forefront of what everybody's already doing now. It was so early. It was like, no, you don't realize y'all literally just missed a huge opportunity. I'm talking about the lip mobile, how y'all were going to plan on taking the lip mobile around. Are you kidding me? They said it was dumb. They're like, oh, that's such a bad idea. If that were me that had made that comment, I would have been begging ABC and the Shark Tank production company to scrub that episode from the internet, scrub it from from reruns. I don't want my bad opinion <laughs> to be on the internet like that. It was it was mind blowing. Actually, we did end up building the lip bar truck and we took it on tour and it was probably one of my greatest accomplishments because that's when we were still super scrappy and like we didn't make it to the west coast because that's too far and I was personally driving like this 26 foot bus essentially that's like all decked out and it was so cool but we went all over the northeast and the southeast and that was really great okay so you have some pretty major news to share the lip bar has a new retail partner walmart Congratulations, first of all. That's so huge, so major. From Target to Walmart, you're everywhere now. How does one get their brand into a a retailer like Walmart or Target? Like, what goes into that? Oh, I mean, a ton. So when we launched in Target, basically blind emailed the buyer on LinkedIn and then proceeded to stalk them for several months. And then finally, they responded and was like, this actually sounds really cool. Send me samples. And our packaging at the Lip Bar is really intricate, and people love our packaging. So I think that when she saw the packaging, she was bought in. And then, you know, when she tried the product, she was bought in. So that was Target. I was completely naive. I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't know that you're not supposed to email a buyer on LinkedIn and pitch them. I didn't know that, so I just did it. And I think that's a bit of the beauty of being naive and being an early stage founder who doesn't have like the resources and you're just trying to figure it out. Walmart was a bit different because at that point we were already pretty established and we had a strong community on social and we were doing really well in Target. So Walmart had actually been reaching out to us for a couple of years. And we kept trying to tell them no, just because we weren't ready and we wanted to grow the business and target a little bit more. But what made me finally decide to launch in Walmart, and I'm actually so excited about launching in Walmart for a couple of reasons. Number one, Walmart has a bad reputation, right? And so you think about it and and I think it sways brands from going in there. But the reality is Walmart is still one of the world's largest retailers, if not the largest retailer. 
in the world. And so what that means is that there are millions of people shopping in that store every single week who don't have anything for them. There are millions of women who can't find a lipstick that works for their complexion or can't find non-toxic products in Walmart or can't find, you know, anything from tinted moisturizer to, you know, a, a high quality lip balm. And the way I built the lip bar is all about convenience and access. So sure, our products are amazing. Like literally we have the best red lipstick on the planet. We have like 18 nudes, like our concealer, like we have really good products, but what we really do is not sell products. What we really do is remind our customers of their beauty and their value and their self-esteem. And so we do that by creating really advanced methodologies of what it means to be inclusive. To your point, we were doing it really early. So we've evolved so much Inclusion means so much more than, you know, just having a couple of, you know, non-white people in a photo shoot. For us, it means being inclusive to your community. It means being inclusive in terms of your staffing. Like, I'm so proud that my team is all women. Like, I remember starting the company and doing a ton of research and realizing that most beauty brands were run by old white men. Same thing with the high heel industry. And I'm like, well, no wonder, no wonder heels hurt so bad. Because it's men creating them and they're not wearing the damn product. When I found that out and I started building the lip bar, I was really intentional about hiring all women and making sure that women were the end users of the product because ultimately, or making sure that the women who were the end users of the product were also the ones that were making the decisions. Because I was like, no one can tap into your customers if they're not actually like the actual users of the product. So when I think about Walmart, I'm like, wait a minute, there are people there who deserve to have high quality. I keep using this word deserve, but it's like, you deserve to have it all. And it's like, just because like, that's your preferred retailer doesn't mean that you should have to suffer with products that don't work for your complexions or products that's going to be toxic or products that won't be vegan and cruelty free or, you know, the whole nine. And I'm like, you know what, Melissa, it's not your job to convince people to shop in Walmart. It's your job to make sure that the people who are shopping at Walmart know that they have options. And that's like my goal in life. Like, I think women need to know that they have options and they don't have to like fit into this little box. Can you just come on every week? Just like a 52-week, you know, series with Melissa. So freaking refreshing to hear you talk about this stuff because I'm going to be honest, brand founders may come on and, you know, they're announcing like retail partnership with Walmart. They wouldn't dare say, well, Walmart does have a bad reputation. But that's the first thing I thought, honestly. But you know what? When I was reading about why you went into Walmart, I'm like, that 100% makes sense. I grew up in a very small town in Texas. For most of my 18 years there, we only had a Walmart and not even a super Walmart. I mean, we had to travel two towns over to go to a Target or the super Walmart with the grocery store, right? So you're giving access to people who may not otherwise have it. And I love, love, love that the mantra here is you you have options. There are options in life. I think more women really need to take that to heart. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. I need to take some of my own advice. But <laughs> for me, it's been easier for me to navigate business than it has been to navigate personal just because like business can be a little black and white. Like, of course, there's emotions involved. But personal, I'm kind of like, oh, Oh, should I? Oh, how do I feel? <laughs> you also did something pretty major a couple of months ago. Can we talk about Michelle Obama? 
Capricorn queen, obsessed. Like, we should have a photo of her framed in the background, Sarah, for moving forward. But we announced this news between the lip bar and Michelle Obama. This was like in September, right? So it was encouraging people to get registered to vote. We talked about it on the pod. Please tell like, how does this happen? Give us all the tea. Honestly, I don't have any answers. And, and it's because I am still trying to figure it out. Like... Someone from her team reached out to, I think they were just like, we need to get in touch with Melissa Butler. So within a 30 minute period, I had like five different people reaching out. Hey, when we all vote and Michelle Obama want to partner with you on something. And I'm like, do y'all have the wrong number? And then it happened again. Literally within the span of 30 minutes, I have all of these text messages that mention Michelle Obama, and it's not a group chat about her hair, and I'm confused. <laughs> so I'm like, talk to me about, about what? I'm like, what did I do? I'm thinking of all the bad things that I've done as, as a kid. <laughs> and, you know, we get on a call with her team at When We All Vote, and they were so incredible. And they were just like, you know what? We're really big fans. We love how the lip bar has always been unapologetic and unafraid to just say exactly what it is over the past several years, you know, whether that's speaking out about social injustice or, you know, anything and everything. And so we want to know if you will help us increase voter registration. And I'm like, yeah, right now, what do you mean? Like, I'm on my way. What do, what do I do? Where do I go? So we spent a couple of weeks ideating on, on basically how we would approach the partnership. And we came up with the idea of renaming our most popular lipstick, which is Boss Lady. And Boss Lady is our bestseller for five years in a row because it's literally the one red that works on every single complexion, no matter how fair you are or how deep you are, like it's going to be beautiful on you. So we came up with the idea to rename Boss Lady into Boss Voter, and we were going to donate a percentage of the proceeds to help increase voter registration. And then we didn't even know that Michelle Obama was going to wear it, and she wore it, and I, then I melted, and still putting myself back together at this very moment. <laughs> I freaking love that story so much. Just, oh yeah, we got to get in touch with Melissa Butler. I I think a lot about, like Sarah, I mean, I don't think you're as emo as I am. We would be a little teary-eyed if Michelle Obama mentioned us by name. Anytime I see Michelle Obama or Brock, I can start to cry. So 1,000% still emo. But also like the fact that Michelle Obama is Michelle Obama. She could have picked any brand to partner with. Right. I'm like, how do you even know me? And then the cherry on top was... You know, maybe six weeks later, after the partnership launched, Dr. Jill Biden comes into our flagship store in Detroit. When Barack was in his second term, we actually created a lip gloss named after Michelle Obama. It was just called First Lady. And it was a nod to her. And we were so excited. And maybe that's how she found out about us. But <laughs> we created that lip gloss four years prior. And then Jill Biden's team reaches out like, hey, she's coming to Detroit you know, we loved what you did on the campaign. She would love to come to your store. I'm like, what? This is probably 72 hours in advance. Now, Secret Service is at our store. We have a tiny, beautiful store in the heart of downtown Detroit. Secret Service is there, and we're all freaking out, and they're like doing background checks and all sorts of stuff. And then, yeah, literally 
she came in the store with her granddaughter and she bought First Lady, like her and her whole staff, First Lady. And this was right before the election. I think we were like three days before the election. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I did to deserve this. It is a testament to all of the work that you have done. The fact that Michelle Obama and her team reached out to you, the fact that Jill Biden is supporting you in the lip bar. So I think that you need to give yourself a pat on the back and celebrate yourself. (laughs) And, you know, you've always been unapologetic. And, you know, let's talk about this TED Talk that you did. 2018, I think it was. You gave a talk about linear beauty called Why You Think You're Ugly. For years, women were taught that our value was directly linked with our looks, our ability to get married, our ability to have children. And even today, now that women are starting businesses, taking office, taking over the world essentially, we're still relegated to this idea that beauty and our looks are most important. If our listeners have not uh, watched this, pause this episode, go watch it, have a cry, come back and listen to the rest of this episode because it's just like Kirby said, we need to have you on here every week. You are like the ultimate hype person. I wish that you were just like inside my head, inside all of our heads. It was so beautiful what you said and so important to hear. So when it comes to diversity and inclusivity within the beauty industry, what should people be doing? What should brands be doing? What should publishers be doing, influencers to truly walk the walk? That's a good one. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just because like diversity has become such a trend. It's a buzzword and it's like everyone is inclusive. And, you know, I think especially in 2020 when everyone put up their black squares and now we're removed from the world crying, but yet and still, I think people have reverted back to, you know, their everyday methods in terms of like, you know, staying in their little circle. And I don't blame people for staying in their circle. I think it's easier to stay in your circle. It's like you automatically will gravitate to what you know. But if you want to do the work to try to evolve and and to live with a little bit more compassion, I think that you have to start having tough conversations or asking just like questions, like just ask the question. It's so funny. As a Black woman, I notice some people are even hesitant to say that I'm a Black woman. Like if I'm walking down the hall, a better example, actually, this actually happens all the time. (laughs) If I'm going into a restaurant, or at least it used to happen when we used to go outside. But if I was going into a restaurant and I was meeting a group of friends and I would maybe go to the hostess because I'm the person who's always exactly seven minutes late, they will all be there. And and then I'll walk in and I go to the hostess. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for, my party's already here. Um, But instead of like wasting a ton of time and having you go through the party list, I'm like, where the group of black girls are. And I think that people are always a little taken aback by it, but it's, it's like, it's okay. It's okay to call this group of black women exactly what they are black women and like I'm not going to be afraid to say it and I don't want you to be afraid to say it so I think we have to really start having those tough conversations in terms of like why we think the way we think and the only way to have them is just to make sure that either as a company you're making sure that you have a diversity of thought within your your executive positions you want to make sure that you know from the top to the bottom of the organization that people feel empowered to tell you when they're uncomfortable or, you know, when things are going right or, hey, you may not want to do this because, you know, whenever I look at 
you know, any of the industry, I don't even know what to call it. Maybe the industry faux pas, this company did this thing that's now offensive to whatever group of people. I'm like, no one thought to like run this by them, whether that's a black group of people or a Southeast Asian group of people. Like there's so many things consistently where it's like, this is cultural appropriation or this is offensive. And it's like, haven't we learned yet that we just need to have a little bit of diversity of thought in these rooms? So yeah, I'm even trying because like my world is very much surrounded by lots of women of color. So it's easy for me to also fall prey to, you know, what I see on the internet or what the popular narrative is. But you can't assign blanket statements to people because we're not a monolith. Yeah, I think that's just it. It's just understanding that it's impossible for people to be a monolith. Like me and my sister, we grew up in the same house and we're not the exact same. I have a question. Do you feel like social media has helped or hurt diversity and beauty in terms of just like who maybe are being performative on social and so you know superficially it seems like they are embracing you know being inclusive but like you know we know because we're in it that maybe they really aren't like I'm just curious if you're seeing more brands doing the work or more brands just pretending to do the work that's tough because I think that even pretending to do the work, you know, that's a starting point. So even if you're just trying, even if you did just, you know, call an agent and say, hey, I need one black girl for this photo shoot. I think that that's even positioning your company in a different way than you've normally positioned it. And so what that does is it gives that black woman an opportunity to be seen outside of just like the black scope of business. I find that corporate America has a tendency to put black women and black businesses in a box and say, you get to play here. And by having those moments, even if it's performative for a second, it's like that black woman is not necessarily in her black box and she gets to be looked at as a model, not a black model. And I think that that organization has the opportunity to learn something about itself, even if it started off just as a performance to like appeal to the masses and not be called out or canceled. Yeah. And and I think that social media as a whole has definitely helped because we see it when we see it quickly and we get to react to it and we have the ability and the power to tell these companies exactly what we want. And so if that company, again, you know, they're just doing it just for the sake of getting people off their back. If people like the image, they're going to like the image and they're going to tell you immediately. And then that allows you the opportunity to like make different decisions and say, okay, well, next time, maybe I'll add someone from the Latinx community, you know? So I, I think that companies are risk averse. And companies want to do what they know is going to make money and what they know is going to allow them to grow. And so maybe they never thought that they had customers within the Black community. And so maybe that's why they never used a Black model, for instance. You got to test and learn. So I'm all about social media being that place where people can test and learn. Okay, but Melissa, let's like level with me here. Aren't those brands dumb to think that there's not Black women or men? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're they're idiots. But you got to learn somewhere. Some brands have to go through it. Black women are the number one consumers of beauty. So if you didn't notice it before, 
that's unfortunate because you've lost a lot of money and now it is performative and, and consumers are smarter than ever. And so they may not, they may not choose to purchase or shop with you, but I think it, we have to get out of this. I had conversations with friends where it's like everyone feels like, oh, wait, why, why are so many people talking about, you know, beauty now or diversity and beauty now, or it's so trendy now. And that's true. It is trendy. And I think for people who have been doing it for a while, it can be frustrating. I've been doing this for almost nine years. I started looking at it from another perspective. I'm like, you have to start somewhere. I think that there is a difference between being racist and having unconscious bias. I think that most non-Black people have unconscious bias. If you are willing to do the work to uncover that bias, that's wonderful. But I think that we have to give people room to do that. And so it's like, if you're trying it out, then try it out. I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm going to necessarily give you my dollars to support you, but I might notice you trying it out because now I think more people are are a little bit more aware and, and trying to like say, okay, well, wait, let me look in the mirror. What have I done? When have I clutched my purse a little bit tighter when I saw a black man walking down the street? Or when have I not, especially within the beauty industry, if I saw a campaign that had a black woman, for instance, I, I automatically assumed that that product wasn't for me. Um, so I think now people are starting to think about those moments and I'm happy about those moments. I'm not gonna shun you and say, why didn't you think about that five years ago? I'm gonna say, I'm so happy you're on this journey. Good luck. It's not my job to teach you. So you've worked in cosmetics for a long time. And one thing that you say a lot in interviews is you weren't this big beauty connoisseur when you got started, right? Like you were making products out of necessity, essentially. And now you've been doing it. So you definitely are a beauty expert. You are a beauty connoisseur. You live and breathe this. What do you think the common person who is obsessed with makeup doesn't understand about product development or how products are made. Is there something that you see a lot on social media that you're like, I know that you're upset about this, but you just don't get it. That's not how it works. Or, hey, they have a point. Why aren't other brands doing this? Ooh, that's a good one. I'll give you one of my recent lessons, which is also a bit of an injustice, but we'll keep going. So we just launched Tinted Moisturizer and our Tinted Moisturizer has SPF in it. SPF is like the bane of my existence, okay? You need it. You have to protect yourself from the sun. Well, SPF is very, very incredibly pasty white. If a product has SPF in it, it has to be concealed to not show up in a white cast on brown skin. Now, I knew that SPF was white just from like prior experiences, like using SPF and noticing like, hey, my face looks a little ashy. But it wasn't until we started actually developing the product and like both of our product developers are black women. And when our tinted moisturizer started showing up and making us gray, we're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't intentional after all. And what we found is that the regulation for SPF and just by the FDA in general, they don't have to test on Black women. So that's the injustice part of it. It's not requirement just because Black women are more melanated. And so the idea is that 
if it will burn someone more fair, they have all of the answers that they need to know. And so we're going through months and months of testing, but then realizing like, wait a minute, it's actually incredibly difficult to create a product with SPF that does not have a white cast. So when I look at people who are really frustrated with brands and I get it and you should be like, you, no one deserves to have a gray face, but that's the part of it where I don't think people realize like the level of commitment that it takes. The lip bar is committed. You will not have a gray face, but I totally understand why SPF is so white. It's just the nature of the product. So how did you guys do it? Well, luckily we were creating a color product. We were creating literally a tinted moisturizer. So we had so many rounds. I'm talking about dozens of rounds of feedback and going back and forth. And even in production, we had to pause it. And I'm like, add a little bit more red, add a little bit more yellow. Cause I think it still has like a tinge of, of, of ash is what we call it. So yeah, it's just, it's just a commitment and you have to have your timing has to be ready for an SPF product. And luckily, again, we were covering it with color because it was a tinted moisturizer. But if you were just producing like an SPF stick or SPF moisturizer, that's why. Uh, okay. Well, I can't wait to try the tinted moisturizer. P.S. by the way. Oh, yeah. I have to send you all some. It's bomb. I have to send it. I can't wait. Okay, so in your Instagram bio, you have Risk Taker. You recently changed Lip Bar's logo after eight years. That's definitely a risk. We want to know, like, what is the biggest risk you've taken personally in your life? Mm, what's the biggest risk? That's a hard one. I don't know. I feel like I take risks every day, but the biggest one? I mean, outside of starting the company, I feel like that's the easy answer. But maybe keeping up with the company, actually, because our first five years in business, we weren't making money. I'll never forget me and my creative director and partner, Roscoe, that I mentioned earlier. We're probably year three and we are maybe year two, but we were Airbnb her room. She moved into my room, Airbnb her room to, to pay the rent. So it's like at that point, we totally just could have quit and said, you know what? The math isn't adding up. Obviously, aren't making any money we should just stop. But I didn't stop just because I was like, you know what, now is the time to take the risk. Like I believe in it. And if you really believe in it, you don't expect it to just happen overnight. And and I was willing to, to suffer. Essentially, I'm living in New York City, and me and my roommate are, are sharing a bed and all of her shit is in my room. And but we got to pay our rent that month. And we didn't have to think about it. So yes, yeah, sticking with the business even when it wasn't providing the lifestyle that I wanted to to live, I think was probably the biggest risk. Okay, so uh, you are not only, you know, founder of uh, the Lip Bar, but your co-founder, please correct me, is it the Black Pact or is it B, or do you spell it out BLK? Yeah, it's the Black Pact. Okay, the Black Pact, love this which is a nonprofit that pledges to eradicate classism and racism through economic empowerment. Chef's kiss, love all of this. What have you been most proud of when it comes to that organization in particular? So we launched it in July in the middle of just the whirlwind of everything that was happening. And we quickly put together a directory of 500 high quality black owned businesses. And I want to point that out because like, Oftentimes, like people say, you want to shop women-owned, or you want to shop local, or you want to shop black-owned, whatever initiative that you want to shop, 
but it's rare that there's actually a resource for you to do so in an easy way where it's like, you know, the products are going to be good. You know, that customer service will take care of you. You know, that it's going to get shipped in time. And that's the plight of a lot of small businesses. Like it's so volatile. So we put together a list of 500 small black owned businesses who I felt like, you know, were really ready for growth. And I personally picked all 500, like my eyeballs were hurting. Like I was for probably two weeks straight, just like scouring businesses. So I was really proud of that initial launch. And then afterwards we were kind of like, we don't really know what we're doing here. Like we launched it, but like, how do we really impact change? And this is my first time announcing it. My team might be mad at me when I say it, but Los Angeles exclusive. We are really excited because we just register a day, basically. It's the National Black Shop Black Day, which is going to be on Juneteenth. And we're going to get a lot of Black-owned businesses to support. Basically, we're trying to position it as like another version of like a big shopping day. Think of Amazon's Prime Day or like Alibaba Singles Day or even like Cyber Monday. So we're really going to try to like get a lot of businesses involved and get a lot of people talking about it. So just making that the national day to make sure that you shop Black. Because what I know about the Black community is people are ready for change. And I think that oftentimes the lack of change comes from the lack of economic opportunity. And so by empowering a small Black-owned business, what you're doing essentially is feeding that family, you're sending that kid to college and education becomes that that catalyst for change. I did not grow up in a nice neighborhood, y'all. Like when I say it was not nice, I mean, it was not nice. But because of my ability to go to college and surround myself with with other people who were growing and inspired something within me. And that's why you see me today. So like by supporting that small black owned business, like people are making better eating habits or, you know, again, sending their kids to college or making sure that their kids don't have to work. And so that's the change that you, you'll you start to see by supporting those small black owned businesses. So I'm really excited about National by Black Day. That's incredible. Congratulations. We need to have you back. I was going to ask, I know that you compiled this whole list and you probably have a lot that you'd like to shut out, but is there one that, you know, stood out to you when you were building the list or that you discovered yourself that you want to give a little shout out to? Oh, this is a good one. Oh man. Doesn't have to be beauty, obviously. I'm just going to say the first one that came to my mind. Two, actually. The one I'm most impressed about Because I find that so many, it's so popular to go into beauty. Like everybody wants a beauty brand and like there's so many ways to make money. Think about the packaging. Think about the boxes. Like think about the surrounding elements of beauty. But the one black owned brand that I discovered that I was just like so obsessed with is called Clear Paint. First of all, I didn't even know that people were making paint outside of Sherwin-Williams, you know, and what's the other, I don't even know, but I'm like, wait, there's a black owned paint company. And so I ordered it. I was in the process of remodeling my bathroom. I ordered it. I got my, my paint in two days. I was obsessed with it and it's so amazing. So clear paint is one that I was really excited about. And the first one that actually... Sorry, I just want to say, like, I have been targeted clear paint so much on Instagram. I think it's because we just bought a house and we're renovating. And I had no idea that the founder was a Black woman. That's amazing. And I'm going to buy some paint. 
and, and it's it's really really great paint high quality paint yeah shocking right it's like wait women are in paint a black woman is in paint what I was so shocked and then the other company um is called Jungalo, and it's like housewares oh my god she is one of my favorite follows i am obsessed I'm obsessed. Every time I look at the page, I'm like, oh my God, my house is ugly because all of the pictures are so beautiful. And I'm like, I love the personality of it. You have jungle of vibes behind you though. Plants and the macrame. I tried. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. All right. We're nearing the end of this fabulous conversation. We're so sad that we have to leave you, but you have to come back just to shoot the shit, Melissa, like come back and talk with us about beauty news and give us your perspective on headlines and things that are happening in the beauty industry. I think that would be so much fun with you. I love that. We're going to hold you to that. So this is our speed round. It's quick, easy answers. First thing that comes to mind, or you can explain it, whatever. We have no rules here. The first question is your favorite lip bar lip color. Easy breeze. It's a reddish orange and it makes me really happy. If you could launch another business because you have so much time, what would it be? <laughs> I am actually launching another business. It's a tea company. Do you remember like when you were a kid and you would watch the cartoons and someone would get sick and there was like a medicine woman who always would have on a cape and she would like use her mortar and pestle and pour this concoction into someone's mouth and they would get well? Well, I've been obsessed with that image since I was a kid. And so I have become a full-on herbalist. I have probably 40 different herbs in my house and I make myself like all sorts of stuff. So I'm going to start a tea company. Okay, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Give it to me. And then that could go into like tea accessories. You could make cute little like kettles and stuff. Freaking love that. All right. What is your favorite hair care product or is there a hair care brand that you just stand more than anything else? My favorite hair care product. Probably the brand that I love is called Thank God It's Natural. Short for TGIN or long for TGIN. But they make this conditioner. It's called a Honey Miracle Mask. Like my hair is so soft when I use it. So that I'm standing TGIN. Love that. Okay. What is your best self-care tip? Journal. Often. Who is your beauty icon? Someone just asked me this the other day, and I don't really have one. And I said Naomi Campbell. And I said Naomi Campbell because I feel like, do you remember when it used to be popular to call women divas and bitches? They were like, oh, she's such a bitch. But I feel like she, and none of it ever got to her. She's like, I'm whatever you want me to be. And I just loved her confidence. And so I think it's her right now. And I like that she's like, I don't know about y'all, but I st I'm starting to feel a way about aging. I have like four gray hairs. That's a lie. I have like 40 gray hairs. I was about to say four. I wish there were four. And I feel like she's just like reminding me that you can still be fabulous while aging. Okay, last question, because this is Los Angeles. You are a famous actress. You moved to LA. You're in a big time movie. Who is your co-star? My co-star is... Zendaya and it's a girl movie and we have a lot of fun and we do crazy things what are some like bridesmaids situation like girls trip something like that are you guys like start a beauty business together like that J-Lo movie did you ever watch that where she worked for a beauty company yes 
Kirby, you never saw that? I don't think I saw that, y'all. I'm sorry. It's kind of funny when you work in beauty because you're like, okay, that's totally wrong. But that's kind of right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I need to check it out. I totally missed that one. But I was going to say, Melissa, when you were thinking, you were smiling. Was that, was Zendaya the first? No, at first I was thinking of a man. And I was like, oh, he can be my hot love interest. And I thought Michael B. Jordan. And I was like, oh, is it really him? No, I think this is a movie for girl. When we did this, that was my answer. So you can be in my movie too. Y'all are sharing Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people are sharing Michael B. Jordan. So many people. <laughs> He's the internet's boyfriend. It's fine. Sarah, did I tell you I saw him in real life and the way every person just looks at him when he enters a room. I mean, like, what's it? What's that like? I don't know. I just could not stop looking at him and he could definitely tell that everybody was staring at him. That's a great. I would watch that movie. Sign me up. Zendaya and Melissa. Melissa, you're fabulous. We adore you. Thank you for spending this hour with us. Where can everybody find you and The Lip Bar? You can find The Lip Bar at thelipbar.com, Target, Walmart, and then you can find me on Instagram, Melissa R. Butler. Woohoo! Everyone, y'all know where to find us. We're Gloss Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Look up our Facebook group. Look up Gloss Angeles Glamgelinos. There's been some lively discussions happening in the group lately, namely about devices. So get in there, share your thoughts, and find us on our website, glossangelespod.com. We'll speak to you next week. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com